difficult, can be complex. Um, Father, sometimes it's hard for us to know how to act. Sometimes it's hard for us to know how to speak. Uh, sometimes it's hard for us to know how to pray. Uh, Father, would you give us as your people wisdom? Um, we're aware maybe now more than ever that we need you to give light to our path. Um, and you've told us that your word is a light to our path uh, to guide us in the way we should walk. And so, Father, as we open up your word this morning, we want to pray that uh, your light uh, would shine really clearly into our minds and into our hearts and light up the path so we know what way to walk. Um, Father, I want to pray especially this morning in this season of Advent that as we listen to your word, you would kindle hope in our hearts that even as we're maybe troubled by some of the things that are going on in our world, we would not be people of despair, we would not be overwhelmed, but we would have hope. Um, Father, I pray that as we read your word this morning, your spirit would kindle hope in our hearts. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so I don't know um, if you were, um, last week, uh, our, our first kind of one in the, the season of Advent, we, uh, were, we were reading, I guess, the final page of the Old Testament uh, in the book of Malachi. Uh, about the, the son of righteousness rising with healing in, in his wings. Um, and I guess what we're going to do this morning is turn one page over from the last page of the Old Testament to the first page of the New Testament. Um, and uh, let me ask you this question. If you were telling the story of Jesus, um, I wonder how you would choose to begin. So you've got the, the best news ever told, ready to tell. Um, I wonder how you would choose to begin. Um, I can kind of understand uh, Luke's approach. So in Luke's gospel, Luke begins with the, the birth narratives of John the Baptist uh, and, and uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah and then, and then the story of the birth of Jesus. So that seems like a great way to start because everybody loves a baby story and, a, and a, it's a, the Christmas story. It's beautiful. Um, or maybe you might be like Mark in his gospel. Mark, I kind of love Mark not only because he's called John Mark, but because he, uh, Mark is kind of so, so in such a rush, in a sense, to get the good news out. He skips over the Christmas bit altogether and just jumps straight into the action of Jesus appears as a grown man, ready to go around preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is near. He just jumps right in there uh, in Mark's gospel. Or maybe you'd be like John in his gospel, who is so overwhelmed by the beauty of the power of the message that he has, that he begins with this great epic theological poem about the word that was uh, in the beginning with God and was God and became flesh and all the rest. So all three of those make sense to me. Start with the birth stories, which are beautiful. Start with jumping straight into the action because you can't wait to tell it. Start with a big, grand, poetic uh, epilogue. Um, but what about Matthew? <laughs> How does Matthew begin? Um, and we, we ended last week uh, with a song by Andrew Peterson, and we're actually going to start this week with a song by Andrew Peterson. Uh, this one is a little bit more lighthearted, uh, perhaps, than the, the one we played last week. And hopefully, our technology is going to work uh, to play it for us. So we, we had to have a, a little wait last week before it played, so um, hopefully this will work. This is Andrew Peterson's 
uh, slight paraphrasing of the beginning of Matthew. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac he had Jacob, Jacob he had Judah and his kin. Then Perez and Zerah came from Judah's woman Tamar. Perez he brought Hezron up and then came Aram and Amenadab and Nashan, who is then the dad of Salmon, who with Rahab fathered Boaz. Ruth, she married Boaz, who had Obed, who had Jesse. Jesse, he had David, who we know as king. David, he had Solomon by dead Uriah's wife. Solomon, while you all know him, he had good old Rehoboam, followed by Abijah, who had Asa. Asa had Jehoshaphat, had Joram, had Isaiah, who had Jotham, then Ahaz, then Hezekiah. Followed by Manasseh, who had Amon, who was a man, who was father of a good boy named Josiah. Who grandfathered Joachim, who caused the Babylonian captivity, because he was a Zerubbabel, who had Abiyad, who had Eliakim, Eliakim had Azer, who had Zadok, who had Achim, Achim was the father of Eliakim, he had Eliezer, who had Nathan, who had Jacob, now listen very closely, I don't want to sing this twice, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Christ. All right. So, you ready to sing it together? No? Um, so, obviously, part of the point of playing that was so I don't have to read all those names. Um, so, what do we make of this? Um, of all the ways to start the telling of the gospel, uh, Matthew begins with a list of 41 names, this genealogy of one, one person begetting, begetting uh, another. Um, I'm going to guess it's probably not anyone's favorite Bible passage. If I ask you all, what's your favorite passage? I've, I've never heard anyone yet say Matthew's genealogy. Um, it's probably a bit that we skip over pretty quickly to get to the Christmas story, which Matthew then has his version of. Um, I guess what I want to try and persuade you of this morning um, is that this, this passage in Matthew is really, really beautiful. Uh, actually, this is not just dry historical information. Matthew, if we have ears to hear, Matthew is preaching the gospel. Um, and he has crafted his genealogy lovingly to highlight certain themes um, which help us understand who Jesus is and why he has come. Uh, so if we can put the next slide up, David. My clicker didn't seem to be working this morning. So actually, will I try it and see? No, it's not working. Let David do it. Um, uh, if, you, if you look at the way the genealogy is crafted, um, what Matthew highlights is that, that there are 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile, 
14 from the exile to Jesus. And he deliberately highlights that to draw our attention to those three moments. Um, and I want to spend a little bit of time this morning exploring together why that might be. Why, why is Matthew drawing our eye to Abraham, to David, and to the exile in the way that he tells the story? Uh, and I want to suggest if you listen carefully to the way he's telling it, you can hear the song of the good news, uh, even in this list of names. Okay, so we're going to stop off at these three places, Abraham, David, exile, and ask, I guess, what does each of those moments uh, tell us about the coming of Jesus, or how does it prepare us for the coming uh, of Jesus? Um, so first of all, Abraham. Um, what does Abraham and the story of Abraham speak of? Um, and I'm going to have, for each one of these people, I'm just going to have one word, uh, which will hopefully make it easy to remember as you go away. So um, for Abraham, the word is this, is blessing. Um, what, is the story, what is the story of Abraham about? Um, Abraham was where the story of God's people began, and it began with God giving him a promise, and the promise that God gave to Abraham was, I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. That's the promise to Abraham. Or as some of the translations say, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so it's this huge promise of blessing that is connected with family and that is for everybody, that is for all the people of the earth. Um, what, what happened to that promise to Abraham as the story of the Old Testament went on? Um, well, I guess we could say um, certainly Abraham's family grew. You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Uh, they became pretty big at that point, and then they became a nation. Um, and certainly there were moments in their story where they experienced blessing. You can think of them coming out of Egypt, being given the law, going into the land, building the temple. There were moments of real blessing. But you and I also know um, every time they were blessed, they seemed to squander it and waste it and lose it. Um, and certainly the blessing never really seemed to flow to all the peoples of the earth. There was a, a tendency in Israel to keep it to themselves and turn inward. And it didn't, there, there was no sense of the blessing flowing to all the ends of the earth. Um, and so as the Old Testament ends, the people of God are still waiting for that big promise to Abraham to be fulfilled. Blessing for all families on earth through the family of Abraham. Uh, when is that going to happen? And they're looking and watching and waiting to see when it will be. Um, so as Matthew tells his genealogy and starts with Abraham, um, Matthew wants us to know whatever is going on with Jesus, it has to do with the fulfillment of this promise of blessing, that this promise to Abraham is yes in Jesus, right? That promise is coming to realization, coming to fruition, coming to fulfillment in the baby in the feeding trough uh, who's at the center of the Christmas story. Um, maybe we could say it this way, wherever our world is damaged by the curse of sin and death, Jesus has come to reverse the curse and restore blessing. In fact, he has come to take the curse on himself on the cross so the blessing can flow to us. And who is that blessing available to? 
all people, all families, all nations. Um, probably my, my favourite line in any of the Christmas carols, and I'm always slightly raging when people leave this verse out, is enjoy to the world. And uh, there's a line in, in a verse that doesn't get sung all that often that says, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Right? That's what we're talking about. Wherever the curse is found in our world, he has come to make his blessings flow. Um, as I was thinking about Abraham and the promise of blessing, um, I was struck this week by that word family. Um, the, the literal translation is all families on earth will be blessed through Abraham. And I guess I was thinking about how uh, this is a time of year with a big focus on family. Um, and that can be a wonderful thing. Um, and I hope there are things you're looking forward to um, in your family life. Um, but I'm also, we're also very aware that um, there can be a lot of pain and disappointment and longing around family. And maybe especially at this time of year, that can be heightened. Um, and it might be pain uh, about family members who are no longer with us or about broken relationships uh, or strained relationships that are really difficult. Uh, and sometimes at this time of year, there can be a pressure uh, to give the, give, a, give the impression that everything is merry and bright. And actually, for a lot of people, there's a lot of loneliness at this time of year and a lot of sadness. And a lot of it is clustered around family. The curse is experienced very sharply, often, in the story of family. Um, and so maybe especially as we think about the promise to Abraham and how it's fulfilled in Jesus, it'd be good for us to reflect um, on that part of our, our story. Um, and so for each of these three uh, stop-off points, um, I'd love us to pause and just close our eyes and reflect for a moment and pray, and then we'll move on to the, the next one. Uh, so let's take a moment and pause and reflect on this one. Let me encourage you just to reflect. Where, where do you see the damage caused by the curse of sin and death? Where are you aware of that damage and that curse today? Where are the places where you long to see his blessing flow uh, in your life, in the lives of people around you, in our world? Just take a moment in the quiet uh, to name those places to God where we long to see his blessing flow. And maybe especially, uh, we bring our families to mind this morning. And those places in our families where there is brokenness or sadness or longing. Let's just, again in the quiet, just name those places to God. And as we think about our own families, we also bring to mind other families we know who are struggling and hurting. And again, let's bring those, those families we care about who are on our hearts 
and just name them before God. Father, in in all of these places of pain and of longing, um, we want to pray this morning, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come and reverse the curse and pour out blessing. And we hold on this morning to this promise that all the families on earth will be blessed through Jesus, the son of Abraham. Father, help us to hold on to this promise and look for that blessing breaking into our lives and breaking into our families and breaking into the the lives of these other families we've named before you this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, so that's one stop off is with Abraham. Um, What's the second place that kind of Matthew draws our attention to? It's David. Um, And if Abraham speaks of blessing, Uh, What does David speak of? David, for me, speaks of a kingdom. Uh, If we can put that word up. Um, What was the the promise that was given to David? If you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, the promise to David was, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you and I will establish his kingdom, a kingdom which will endure forever. Right, so it's the promise of a, an everlasting kingdom, of an unshakable kingdom. And it gets fulfilled a little bit in the story of Solomon, David's immediate son. But then that story goes off the rails. Um, And you and I know uh, Israel's experience of kingship was mostly, well, it was kind of up and down, but it was mostly pretty disappointing. Um, uh, The promise to David of an everlasting kingdom. Um, And if you look elsewhere in the Old Testament, especially in the prophets, we find out more about that kingdom that is promised. Um, And if there are two words that especially describe the promise of that kingdom that is promised, uh, they are are the words righteousness or justice, which is the same Hebrew word, or and peace. The kingdom that is coming is, is a kingdom of righteousness and it's a kingdom of peace. Um, that's what it's going to be like. Um, and as Israel's story goes on, again, they have these little bright moments, but they don't yet see the realization of that kingdom where righteousness reigns, where God's shalom fills everything in every way. Um, and so again, as the Old Testament ends, the people of God are still waiting for this son of David, uh, who will be the king that their hearts are longing for, who will bring a kingdom of righteousness and peace. And so, again, what is Matthew saying in the way that he tells his genealogy? He's saying, whatever is going on with Jesus, it has partly to do with this, that the kingdom that was promised to David is now breaking in, is now being made available um, in our world. Jesus, the son of David, is the king our hearts have been longing for. Um, That promise is also yes in Jesus. Um, And he's a king unlike any we could have imagined, right? Because here is the king, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the king of creation, the king of the cosmos. And he's born in poverty, in a stable. He's born surrounded by farm animals and he dies surrounded by thieves, right? This is a king unlike 
any we could have expected or imagined um, whenever we thought about that coming king and his coming kingdom. And why does he come in poverty and why does he die in shame? In order to bring the riches of God's kingdom to you and I, to make them available to you and I. Uh, the kingdom of God has drawn near. It is available for anyone who wants it. Um, so again, as we think about that promise of a king and a kingdom, um, I want to ask you a question that um, I find kind of um, striking to reflect on this week uh, with everything that is going on in our, in our world. Um, let me ask you this question. Do you ever feel disappointed by the kings and rulers of this world? <laughs> do, do you ever feel disillusioned by the leaders and presidents and prime ministers and governments of this world? And do you ever find within yourself, and sometimes you've got you to look for this, but do you ever find in yourself an aching and a longing for a king you can trust, right? One who will fight for the good of all people, especially the weak and the vulnerable, right? One who will lay down his life for the sheep, right? Do you ever find yourself longing for that kind of king and that kind of kingdom, a king you can follow with your whole heart, right? Um, I, I certainly feel those things within me uh, more than ever, I think, at the minute as I look around our world. Um, and of course, it's important to say you and I are told in Scripture to pray for those in authority, right? So we're not just to roll our eyes about what's going on in the world. We're to pray for those in authority, and we should and we must, and we should pray for Stormont, and we should pray for Westminster, and we should pray for Brussels, and we should pray for Washington, we should pray for our world and our leaders. We should pray for better leadership and better government. Uh, we should pray for wisdom and peace and compassion and kindness to break in to government and truth-telling and all those kind of things. Um, we should participate thoughtfully when we get a chance to vote or to speak up like we were talking about earlier on. Um, but also, even as we do all that, even as we pray and we play our part and we speak up, um, I also think it's really important that regularly we should confess together as God's people that our hope is not in human kings or prime ministers or governments, right? Our hope is in the child in the manger and the man on the cross. And I know I, I, I probably say this often, but I think we need to confess it together regularly, right? To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, Right? Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That's where our hope is. Right? So we pray and we play our part and we act with hope in our world. But in the end, our hope is not in flags or governments or, uh, or, or, or prime ministers or the rest. Um, our hope is in the child in the manger. Um, and so, again, let me encourage you to take a moment to reflect and maybe just close your eyes again and just reflect personally. Um, just reflect this morning. Where, where are you aware this morning that the kingdoms of this world are broken? Where are you aware of that brokenness? Where, where do you see chaos and disorder and injustice instead of God's shalom? 
where are you feeling disappointed by leaders and rulers? Where are the places where you are longing to see the righteous rule of a good king? Just name those places before God. Where are the specific places where you long to see God's kingdom of peace breaking in? Just name those places before God. And as you think about those places of brokenness and disorder and chaos in our world, um, I want to I read you some words from Isaiah 11. This is one of, the, one of the beautiful promises of the coming kingdom and the coming king. Um, just listen, keep, keep those places of brokenness in mind and listen to these words of, from Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, in other words, from the house of David, from his roots, A branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. And they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come and reign in our lives. Come and reign in our families. Come and reign in our neighborhood. Come and reign in our nation. Come and reign in our world. Bring righteousness. Bring peace. We pray in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Okay, so Abraham speaks of blessing. David speaks of a kingdom and a king. Um, What's the third stop off? Uh, that Matthew draws our attention to. It's maybe a surprising one um, because he draws our attention to the exile. Um, And maybe this surprises us because uh, that can seem like a strange moment to highlight um, because actually it's it's one of the saddest in the history of Israel. Um, Again, we talked about this a little bit last week, um, that moment when they hung their harps on the trees uh, and said, We can't sing God's song under these conditions. We can't sing the Lord's song in a strange land. And they wept by the rivers of Babylon. Um, They they found themselves dislocated and disorientated. They weren't in the right place at the right time. They were, everything was wrong. Uh, They were in exile. Um, And yet I want to connect the exile with this word, which is homecoming. Homecoming. If Abraham Abraham speaks of blessing and David speaks of a kingdom, the exile speaks of the promise of restoration and homecoming. Um, It's a a kind of really strange fact, I think, and kind of striking, that 
although this was one of the saddest bits and darkest bits in the story of Israel, the time just before and during the exile was also the time, perhaps, when God's voice was heard most clearly in Israel. Um, because that was the time of the prophets. Most of, most of the prophets are clustered around just before, just during, and just after the exile. So a time of great pain was also a time when the voice of God was heard really clearly in the land. Um, and I, The prophets are fascinating, aren't they? Uh, these kind of strange, scary, hairy poet preachers who appeared in the land um, and dreamed a dream of what was to come. Um, the, the prophets tended to bring bad news before they brought good news. So they tended to go around saying, it's going to get worse and it's your own fault and you brought it on yourselves. So that was kind of hard to hear. Um, but then in nearly all the prophets, there was always this turn in the melody that kind of catches your breath and stirs up hope where they start to speak of restoration and homecoming. After all this, there's going to be a, a homecoming. And they talk about rebuilding the ancient ruins and renewing the ruined cities. Um, and often they use really vivid metaphors and pictures. They talk about streams of water in the desert. And they talk about how the mountains will sing and the trees will clap their hands. And God will prepare a feast for all people and he'll wipe away every tear. Um, and especially in the middle of all those beautiful images, the promise is God will come again and dwell with his people. He will be at home among you. So not only will you be at home, but God will be at home with you. Um, what happened to all those promises of homecoming? Um, again, we talked about this uh, a little last week. They, they were kind of fulfilled as the people came back from Babylon and were back in the land. But the return was kind of a disappointment. They were back in the land, but the glory was missing. They didn't have that sense of God's presence dwelling among them. And there was certainly no sign of the trees clapping and the mountains singing. The things that the prophets spoke of hadn't yet come to full reality. And so what is Matthew saying whenever he draws our attention to the exile? He's saying, Whatever is going on with Jesus, it also has to do with this, that the exile is truly over. And all those promises of restoration and homecoming are now being fulfilled. They are also all now yes in Jesus. That's um, really striking, isn't it, to think how Jesus left his home in glory and came and sojourned for a while among us in a strange land. He became an exile. He became a stranger in a strange land uh, with all the discomfort and pain and alienation that was involved in that. Um, and why did he do it? Why did he come and dwell among us in this strange land? So he could show us the way home. So he could bring us home to the Father's house and make a way so the Father could come and make his home within us. Um, that's why he came. Um, his exile brings us home. Um, and so again, I want to encourage you, uh, just close your eyes again and reflect um, on maybe where this theme of exile connects with our lives. Again, let me just ask some questions. I wonder in what ways do you sometimes feel like an exile or like a a stranger in a strange land. 
I wonder, do you ever feel not quite at home in your own life? I wonder, do you ever find it's hard to sing the Lord's song where you are in the conditions in which you're living? Do you ever find it's hard to sing the Lord's song? Do you ever feel like hanging your harp on a tree and weeping? I wonder, does it ever feel like God is absent or distant, like the glory is missing? And all these places of exile, we pray, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus and lead us to our heart's true home. Come and dwell with us and dwell within us. Come and be again for us, Emmanuel, God with us. And we also take a moment to think of those we know and love who maybe have wandered far from home and those we know who have lost their way in life. And we take a moment just to name them before God today. And we pray for them very simply. Jesus, would you come and would you guide them home? Jesus, would you come and guide them home? Um, just like last week, um, I'm going I'm to light a couple of candles. Um, and like last week, I want to say that the candles are not magical, uh, but they are an express. It's a simple way for us uh, to express our hope in this Advent season. Um, and it's our hope that just as Jesus came, he is going to come again. And just as he came and he's going to come again, he also comes to our present moment where we are struggling with the curse, where we are struggling with the brokenness of the kingdoms of our world, where we are struggling with the sense of exile. Um, he comes to bring blessing, to bring a kingdom, to bring homecoming into these pre this present moment. So we light the candles. <clears throat> Express our hope. Just before we finish, um, some of you will have been impatient for this, but you'll been thinking there's another beautiful thread in this genealogy that I haven't mentioned yet, and another time we'll talk more about it. Um, but there's another little thread that runs through the genealogy, another melody line running through it, which is this, that Matthew makes space in his genealogy for five women. Um, and here they are, Tamar, Rahab, I've spelled Rahab wrong, um, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. Um, he didn't need to mention them because it's a, it's a male lineage that he's describing. So there's something very deliberate about this. Why did Matthew include those five women in his genealogy? Um, what, what did those five women have in common? Well, they're all women, for a start, in a world that was dominated uh, very much by men. 
Um, most of them were foreigners, um, apart from Mary, who was a Jewish, uh, a young Jewish girl. The other four all came from pagan cultures and backgrounds. Um, you can go and look that up later on and check where they came from. Um, but maybe also this, all, all five of them in different ways have a, a complicated story or a messy story that has at least a whiff of scandal about it. Um, in some cases, they had sinned. In some cases, they had been sinned against. In some cases, they were falsely accused. But they all carry that little whiff of scandal in the public eye. Um, Tamar, who dressed as a prostitute and seduced her father-in-law. Rahab, who was a prostitute in Jericho. R Ruth, who broke with the propriety of her culture and proposed to Boaz at the threshing floor. Um, Bathsheba, who committed adultery with David. Mary, who was an unmarried, pregnant peasant girl. Um, what is Matthew doing when he, this, this can't be an accident, that he, of, all, of all the women he could have included in the story, he names those five. Um, Matthew is going out of his way to say something powerful and beautiful, which is this, that as Jesus brings all these hopes and promises to fulfillment that we've been talking about this morning, of blessing and a kingdom and homecoming, um, everyone is invited <laughs> Everyone is welcome. That's the final word I want to share with you this morning. Everyone is welcome as part of this story. Um, in other words, it's not just good news for the right kind of people um, who have life sorted and are thought well of and in respectable society and all the rest. It's good news of great joy for all people, right? For all the families of the earth. Um, and so that, that's kind of where I want to finish this morning. And I want to say... I want to make sure you hear me say, it's good news for you, right? If you feel kind of ordinary or messy or broken, um, if you sometimes feel like the wrong kind of person, like you're a misfit or an outsider, um, if you have sinned and been sinned against, if you carry shame or regret or wounds from your journey, um, if you've been rejected by others, you are welcomed into the heart of the story of Jesus. This family story of blessing is for you. Um, all those promises that we've talked about this morning are for you. Um, but I also want to make sure I say this as we leave and go out back into our lives and back into the world, that it's good news for every person you're going to bump into this week and every person you're going to set your eyes on this week. Whatever their story of sin and mess and hurt and scandal and woundedness. Um, if they're an outsider, if they're a misfit, if they're ordinary, if they're messy, if they're broken, they are invited into the heart of the story of Jesus. And so you can look them in the eye and say, you are welcome in this family of blessing. You're invited to come, to come near. God has come near and now you're invited to come and enter in to blessing, to this kingdom to this homecoming. Um, hope that can encourage you uh, as you go into the week. Um, let's pray together and then we're going we're gonna to sing as we finish. Um, let me remind you, um, if you'd like someone to pray with you uh, before you go this morning, there'll be a couple of people up here who'd really love to pray with you uh, before you go.
Father, I pray very simply as we finish. Um, I want to pray. We've heard the words of the gospel so often. But I want to pray this morning, would you come by your spirit and allow us to hear the melody of the gospel in the deep places of our heart and our spirit. Help us to believe that this good news is for us, that we are invited, that we are welcome. Help us to believe that this good news is for every person we meet this week, especially the ones who seem too far gone or too far away or uh, too hostile or too broken or whatever it is. Help us to have hope for them and to share good news with them. Um, We pray in the name of Jesus, our King. Amen.